Hello everyone. Before we get into NL full time, of course, we heard the sad news about Jordan Sinnott, who died in tragic circumstances over the weekend. Jordan, of course, played for Farsley Celtic, Halifax Town, Alchingham, Bradford, Park Avenue, amongst others, and was at Alfredton Town, but was out on loan at Matlock, of course. The non-league world in particular is devastated at this and we can't speculate about what has happened as there's an ongoing police investigation. But here, everyone at full time offer our sincere condolences to Jordan Sinnott's family. Of course, Lee Sinnott was the manager at Farsley, Bradford Park Avenue and Altrincham, so we extend the condolences to the Sinnott family and also everyone who either played with him or played against him and knew him at those football clubs. So rest in peace, Jordan. Welcome to this week's NL full-time. Joining me to scour the results, digest and then pontificate, we have a man who was closer to France than his house on a Saturday. Is Rob Oral. Hello, Rob. <laughs> yeah, you, you're bang on there, Luke. Um, and good to speak to you on Skype as well. Hopefully uh, I don't sound like a Dalek this week. Yeah, you're sounding crystal clear. Rob's in crystal clear this week, which is, a, is good for all the ladies out there who like hearing Rob on a Sunday morning. <laughs> As we record this, a man who has come from the middle of nowhere is Tom Lang. Hello, Tom. Hi, Luke. How's it going? Very well, thank you. And we've also got Dickie. Hello, Dickie. Good morning, Luke. It's a real interesting day in the National League. Barrow looks as though they're going to get another win down at Boreham Wood. Josh Kay had given him the lead, but Tyrell Marsh grabbed an equaliser, and it does keep their unbeaten run going, if not their winning run. Yeah, not just theirs, both of them actually, Luke. Uh, incredibly, they both came into the game 12 matches unbeaten. They both last lost on October the 26th. And uh, yeah, so I suppose there's a bit of symmetry really about the draw. I think what it does is it really backs up um, a good benchmark for Boreham where they've been highly improved of it. And uh, not very often, I suppose, at home you feel quite content with, with a one-all draw. But I'm sure Luke Garrard will have done yesterday. They matched themselves against the league leaders. They uh, solidified their own position, really, because um, if there was one theme to yesterday in the National League, it was the fact that none of the top five won. In fact, only one of the top seven, Halifax did. We'll come on to them in a bit. But, um, yeah, some cracking results for some of the sides lower down yesterday. And uh, we had a couple of weeks recently, Luke, where we talked about the keepers. I think uh, this week we have to give them their plaudits. Eleven sides kept clean sheets, um, certain goalkeeping displays, Elliot Jostam, Ross Fitzsimons, Schwan Jalal, all absolutely outstanding by all accounts yesterday. Um, yeah, coming back to that one, one all, and uh, both sides really will be the, even happier with the draw when they'd have come in and seen the other results of the top sides. Yeah, not many goals around in the National League on Saturday. No team scored more than two. It was a bit of a, a strange one that. Normally we're talking about loads of goals, but not this week. No, not at all. And, um, you know, when you look at the top goal scorers in the league, uh, only uh, only two of the top 15 scored yesterday as well. So it was one for the keepers and, of course, the defences. Um, and indeed, all those sides that kept clean sheets, really, because as all their managers will tell you, and it's one of those footballing cliches, you defend from the front. Don't you? Absolutely. Yeah. And the, uh, I think most managers will have been pleased with that in a way yesterday. As you say, Bromley, they're on, they're on the slide a little bit. Simeon Akinola, winner for Barnet there, gave them all three points down at Hayes Lane. 
Yeah, Akinola got one goal. Josh Walker, the other. They've got 25 goals between them now. Um, a good friend of mine was at the game yesterday. He said, highly organised, Barnett. Callum Reynolds, superb at the back as ever. Josh Walker, I think, given the man of the match in the in the non-league paper. But uh, a really, really good win for Barnett, especially considering due to postponements, that's their first game in a couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, if we talk about Barnett the last couple of seasons, good potential, haven't quite delivered on it. The problem has been scoring goals. Now they've got two players in Akinola and Walker who are scoring freely. Yeah, Dickie Barnett have come under fire over the last couple of weeks, haven't they? Especially on Tuesday when they should have played Farsley Celtic and it was called off about half an hour before kickoff. Uh, yeah, they have. That That didn't uh, put Barnett in a terrific light for, for a lot of people on the outside. I don't know the, the inside story of the, the postponement, but it did come really, really late. Um, and then, yeah, it means that Farsley Celtic have got to make that trip down again there on Tuesday night, I believe it is. So Barnet putting themselves in um, in good spirits for that game with uh, a victory yesterday. Yeah, it's interesting to see this, the the, uh, the non-league spirit they'll rally round. I think a few Barnet fans, but Farsley fans, who made the trip down a few drinks. But uh, I think they, <laughs> I think they also had a little dig at the chairman and said, "Look, I want a refund for it. I'm going to give you the receipt." So I don't think the the, the home fans. The Barnet fans certainly aren't too happy with with things at the club at the minute, and there's a bit of unrest. So Darren Curry's doing a decent job in that sense, then. Yeah, he is. He can only focus on what's happening on the pitch, Luke. Um, look, I just have to, you know, I, I visit all the grounds in the National League um, each season. Um, I, I can only give my um, impression of that club. It's a well-run team, good manager, good players in it. As a club, it's not one of my favourite places to to visit. I don't think it's overly welcoming. I think everything's very, very expensive about it. Um, and, I, and, and that, for me, I think is one of the reasons why their crowds are so low, despite how high they're up in the league. And, you know, it might not be their biggest priority, how many people come through the gate, but it should be uh, sustainable support, you know, for the future. Um, you know, and, and it sounds like I'm having a real dig. I'm not really. I'm just calling it as it is. It's not one of my favourite places to visit. They've got ample car parking space, but even turning up to do a job of work there, you know, carrying commentary equipment and everything else as well, you still have to pay for a parking space. So, uh, no, um, I can't. Um, is that enough now? Have I got it off my chest? Get the tube. It's only two minutes down the road. <laughs> yeah, not a bad idea. Cheers, Luke. <laughs> that's my uh, that's my tip for the week. Probably one of the more surprising results of the day was Wrexham winning 2-0 at Harrogate. Harrogate have been absolutely flying in 2020 so far, but James Jennings and JJ Hooper got two goals and they kept a clean sheet as well, and Dean Keats will be delighted with that. Yeah, that was one of the real standout results yesterday. I didn't see that one coming. Um, back-to-back wins for Wrexham. And they're still upturning form. I think, it, I think it's uh, back-to-back wins and then a game or two before that back-to-back wins separated by an abject performance and result against Aldershot. But um, I think the, the, the common denominator appears to be J.J. Hooper back after a long injury uh, and back finding the net again as well. So uh, a really, really good result, a morale-boosting result for Wrexham. Um, bit of an odd one for Harrogate, but you know what? I've looked into it. I've read Simon Weaver's quotes, and I think it's one of those days where you, you, your team plays well, but you don't quite finish off the chances. I think Weaver thought Harrogate exceptional 
in the first 45 minutes yesterday. But uh, well done, Wrexham. They are the sort of side when they do get a lead. Um, they're a difficult side to uh, to break down. And, uh, you know, they, they've had a lot of clean sheets over the last few years. So, uh, yeah, um, hats off to, to Wrexham and Dean Keats this weekend. Yeah, and hats off to Wolken. Well, they pulled off a great result against Yeovil. They won by a goal to mil. A goal to... Say a goal to nil. There we go. Easy for me to say. Sean Dun. Oh, now we can't even say the name. Sean Donellian. Is it? Sean Donellan, I think. Donellan. There we go. I'm Sean Donellan. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll put my teeth in, and you tell us more about it, Rob. <laughs> well, basically, it was uh, a big, big win for Woking, and uh, I want to draw some similes really between Woking and Halifax. Um, both brilliant starts to the season. Both dropped right off it but both of them have come back again. Halifax are sixth, Woking are eighth, and they refuse to go away. Um, the, the winning goal, the only goal of the game at Woking yesterday was from Sean Donnellan. It was a cracking strike by all accounts. And, and a bit of a tactical masterstroke from, uh, from, from Douse yesterday. Um, he abandoned his normal 4-3-3 system, matched up Yeovil's uh, diamond in midfield, and uh, it paid off. And... Uh, yeah, a really, really good win for Woking. I've got to mention my BBC commentary colleague, Gav Dennison. His record this season, uh, he, he, he con- commentates on roughly half of the Woking games. I think he had commentated on 10 games this season. None of them Woking had won. Most of them they lost. And finally got to call a win yesterday. So well done, Gav. Yeah, excellent stuff. Well done, Gav. And well done as well to Maidenhead. We, we criticised them last week, didn't we, about how they defended at Halifax. But they responded... This week by beating Eastley 2 0, keeping a clean sheet, and it's that man, Danny Whitehall, again. Yeah, Danny Whitehall is the man within the top scorers in the National League who got a brace yesterday while virtually nobody around him, other than uh, Tyrone Marsh, uh, scored. Uh, and, 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 and what's remarkable about Danny Whitehall's, uh, I forget offhand, I think it's around about 14, 15 goals this season, is that it's been in a struggling maidenhead side who kind of just. Uh, just outside the bottom four and uh, 15 goals in a side that's struggling down the wrong end of the table is, is, is a superb achievement and a really, really good and timely win for Maidenhead uh, yesterday. Uh, a little bit of a surprise. I'll take a look at Eastleigh midweek when all the shot go there. I noticed that Rob Atkinson, who moved to Oxford United, has been loaned straight back and back in the heart of Eastleigh's defence yesterday. Yeah, so that'll be a big... Big boost for Eastleigh as they look to climb up the table, but the Spitfire's spluttering at the minute. Now, interestingly, down at the bottom, Chesterfield announced losses of 1.8 million this week after their first season in the National League. And then they got a draw with Fylde, which didn't do either side any good in the end. Probably the one all doesn't do any of those teams any massive favours. But, uh, you know, reading, uh, quoting from uh, Adam Virgo, uh, who obviously is uh, commentating regularly for, for BT Sport and uh, has an occasional column in the non-league paper. Interesting to see that he feels that not every one of Chesterfield, Fylde and Wrexham will be safe this season. He's kind of effectively said one of them is going to go down. And uh, that's interesting because something we've been debating all along. Um, for me, out of those three teams, you've got to pick one. Uh, that, that, that's most likely to go down. Surely it's got to be Chesterfield. Obviously, Pemberton's got seven points out of nine now, so we have to take that into account. Um, 
But by all accounts, Shwan Jalal has been absolutely outstanding in the last three games and, and, and probably almost single-handedly the reason that Chesterfield have been able to hold on to wins and get that point yesterday. Yeah, and they brought in Nathan, uh, they brought in Nathan Tyson as well, Chesterfield, to add a bit of bite up front as well. So let's hope he can get them the goals to keep them up from a Chesterfield point of view. Also down at the bottom, Wrexham, as we said, they leapfrogged all the shot in the end, Rob, didn't they? Because you didn't have a great day out by the White Cliffs, did you? <laughs> it was absolutely awful. I think everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong uh, in the build-up to the game and the game from an all-the-shot point of view. Um, they were very, very close to a couple of signings uh, on Friday, which they didn't get across the line. And then they lost you know, one of their top three players at the moment, Craig Tanner, to a bizarre uh, training uh, injury. A rib injury. Dover don't win at home, did he, Rob? <laughs> no, only uh, in that FA Cup game that you uh, famously made the prediction that they don't win at home for, for, for our, um, uh, our our regular listener from Dover. Uh, what's her name again? Give her a shout. Karen, Karen Barry, yeah, Karen. Car- Karen Barry. And also Jamie, Jamie Parsons, he listens as well. They're all regulars. I hopefully, uh, hopefully see them. I'm going to go up to Halifax and watch them. At Halifax on Tuesday, and may well try and get in the away end and, and speak to the Hardy 20 or so. We were going to make the trip up. Yeah, I mean, good luck to them. They're, they're struggling. They re- in, 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 in one respect, they're desperate to bring in uh, a striker, Dover, but they haven't had any joy yes, uh, as yet. Keep an eye on um, Shadrach Oji. He's uh, a left back, been brought in on loan. He was outstanding yesterday, uh, running half the length of the field to uh, finish. Uh, with a plum against uh, Mitch Walker for the second goal for Dover. Really good signing there for Andy Hessenthaler. Um, as for your game on Tuesday night, Luke, well, you've got a bit of a, a record, really, of going to Halifax on a Tuesday night and seeing a nil-nil. And, and that's my prediction for the game as well. If not, possibly a narrow win for Halifax, who, uh, who really ought to take the plaudits this week, didn't they, for their one-nil away win and being the only side in the top seven to win. Yeah, thanks for that. You really sold it to me. You really made me want to go now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be nil-nil. It's going to be rubbish, so don't bother. Thanks, Rob. Cheers. <laughs> Dover, well, I think they'll be in this league next season, boys. Uh, and so does uh, my BBC uh, commentary colleague from Kent, Matt Gerrard, who I caught up with before the game. Now, listeners, one of the things you do get to do when you stay in the same division for quite a few years, you get to build a little bit of a friendship relationship with some of the other people you come across on your travels. One of those who I... Um, uh, meeting up with today for the second time this season is Matt Gerrard, uh, no relation, um, and uh, also uh, involved with the uh, Kent uh, on what's it called the Kent Non League podcast. We do, but also I'm the uh, BBC Radio Kent Dover commentator. That's right. So uh, um, a few months back, it was Matt trying to keep nice and professional as Dover with the best away record in the league succumb 4-0 at Aldershot, probably one of the biggest shock results in, in, in the division all season. Could be a completely different kettle of fish today. Although, um, talking of Dover and talking of sort of runs and form, it's been a slightly frustrating few weeks, having got yourselves to the edge of the playoffs, or Dover to the edge of the playoffs, but uh, just hit a bit buffers a little bit. Yeah, I, I think Dover are, this season are a mid-table side, to be honest. Um, they're, they're missing a goal scorer. Effion tries his hardest, hardest, but they haven't got anybody when the, the ball falls in the box, somebody to take the chances they have. Away from home, probably works for them a little bit better because the way they try and hit sides on the counter-attack at home, the format has been pretty poor. And then when they have to come out and attack sides, they haven't really got the guile or the quality to break sides down. So 
few weeks ago we were looking down rather than uh, up. And we had a couple of good results over Christmas, a good result against Notts County last week where I think we fully deserved the point. But where we are in the league, I can't see us unless we get a goal scorer in that getting into the playoffs. I think some of the sides at the top end of the table are sort of nailed in for those positions. So it's a big couple of weeks for us. We've got four out of the next, after we play all the shots today, four out of the next five are, are away from home, which may work or not in our favour, and two of them against Barrow. So, yeah, it's it's where we were, where we are, really. You know, when you look when Andy Hessenthaler took over the job, we were going down. Mm. He stabilised it. I think there will be, if we finish mid-table, because there was so much optimism at the start of the season, that we should be doing a little bit better and arguably the money that's been spent on the players we've got we should be doing a little better in my opinion but I think the squad is a mid-table squad What did you make of um, the, 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 the game at shot? Obviously nobody expected that Was it just one of those freak games where all the chances go in for one side it just happens from time to time? I think we were going through a bit of a sticky patch then we gave away a silly first goal and all the shots sort of uh, took the advantage of us from that point of view My concern is you know, the waveform has been so good there will be a point that you won't win away from home and then that puts pressure on the home form. So, mm. again, against Aldershot today, it puts a little bit of a buffer between us and Aldershot as well. Aldershot are looking up. They've been in good form. One defeat in nine, I think it is. So, they're heading in the right direction. Yeah, so it's just one of those games that... Do we, did I see it coming? I think we're pretty solid defensively. Shipping four was a bit of a surprise. Scoring goals is more of a concern. If Aldershot score today, you know, that is it's a concern that we need to score two to win a game. And... Have we got two goals in us? Unless the defenders are giving it to us. Like, arguably, we beat Bromley 3-0. They gave us a few goals, two mm. of the goals in that game. Mm. We're struggling. But Annie Hester is working so hard to bring a striker in, but it's just not working out at the moment. And you, know, you never know what you get with F. Young. He can be wonderful one minute, then, you know, missing chance after chance. He's got 12 goals, I think it is, this season. You know, the one-on-ones he's missed, he could have had 25-30, because he does get in the position, but you know when you see a natural goal scorer, we had it when we mm. saw Michael Cheek for Bromley, mm. David played really well first half against Bromley, should have been two or three up, chances for Effie, doesn't put it away, when it goes to Michael Cheek, when you you, know, you see somebody through on mm. goal, you know, Cheek could have scored, you feel that, with Effie on you don't, and that's what Addison is desperate to get a striker in, you know, it rig, willing runner, one goal a season, that's mm. his partner, so... Mm. Uh, from goals to ghouls or in ghouls or you, I need you to help me with one the pronunciation and two I've no, we've noticed him on the podcast he seems to come on to good effect is, is he an impact player or you might see him doing damage from the start uh, it'd be interesting because Modeste is out and Modeste is key for David Nassim Lagoul he has got a tricks he's probably David's main asset I would say that one of the players could go up to a next level if somebody um, f- takes a punt on him he has improved defensively early part of the season this time Early start of the season, he wasn't doing his defensive duties, but his job as a winger is also to track back, and he's doing really well on that. He has, again, for me, he's probably an impact player last 20 minutes, half an hour to play, particularly at home when Dover may be looking to chase the game and get that goal. But he is a good player. I think he gets a little bit frustrated with himself as well. But, yeah, he's a good player for Dover. That Him and Bobby Joe Taylor down the left-hand side. Bobby Joe Taylor's now moved into a more... Uh, attacking role down that left hand side and they could cause problems down the left hand side if they work together it'll be interesting if they're playing today yeah and Bobby Joe Taylor of course will be playing against uh, one of his old sides um, final question really is about that. obviously you watch all the Kent uh, football and talk about the Kent football but you, you've seen all the sides in the National League probably this season um, where's your money on I've got 50 quid here imaginary to give it to you to put on a team to win that uh, league I'm, who's, who's uh, it going to be we haven't, Barrow seen Barrow, we haven't seen Barry I always still th- I always said it will always be Solihull but I thought they're the strongest side. When it comes to this sort of February, March time, they would start battering teams and running through. But then, not win it. Barrow's Barrow's to throw away, to be honest, looking at it. And from a Dover point of view, if Dover aren't going up, if you get rid of Barrow, you're quite happy because it's an absolute trek. But I still feel in the back of my mind that Solihull 
will come in from somewhere. Yeah. I just feel they're big, strong-sided. Yeah. You know this division. Once it gets going, they brought a couple of players in I saw yesterday. Even if it's not champions, I, I, I still think Solihull got a big part to play. Well, I've got to, I've got to back you because I've been saying it all season, but I, this you're waiting for them to kick yeah. into the top gear. It hasn't really happened for a while, so we will wait and see. Not to sort of build the drama or anything, but this whole Dover-Barrow thing, obviously there was the um, unfortunate situation with the trains and the game getting postponed before. Um, it, it's, it's, it's kind of iconic at the top level of non-league football anyway, just the whole trip, isn't it? Dover to Barrow, it's the longest trip in the league. Um, and I guess the... Uh, the juices are there for when the game finally takes place. Yeah, I know Dover had to go there on the last game of the season at quarter past 12 on a Saturday. So then the, the, the coach left at you know 12, 12 o'clock at night, midnight. So yeah, there will be. They're coming to us first on the 4th, the next home game in 10 days' time. So hopefully the weather will be nice. The weather's supposed to be turning. Yeah, it's going to be twice in two weeks they play each other. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be plenty of spice on and off the pitch for that one. But and it's a good benchmark for where Dover are going to be. Playing Barrow twice in, um, in two weeks. Barrow... You know, could have been running away with the league by then, but David put down a marker. Maybe not for necessarily for this season, for next season. Brilliant, Matt. Thanks for joining us. Uh, good luck with your podcast. And just finally, once more for the listeners on Twitter, your podcast is? is Kent, uh, Kent NL Podcast, it is. So we look at all levels from the National League down to the uh, Scaffold League, the Southern East Counties League of all our Kent sides. So, yeah, please uh, give it a listen. And that was Matt Gerrard from BBC Radio Ken. From an Aldershot point of view. So a little bit light. Six have gone out. None have come in as yet. And uh, they're really missing uh, Big Max Hunt at the back, who's obviously gone on to uh, to sign for Carlisle United now. And also Jack Powell, who's gone back to Crawley. They are suffering a little bit and uh, nothing went their way. They went 1-0 down to a typical Dover set-piece goal. Jai Reason with the free kick and... Uh, Skipper Kevin Locko just doing enough to get a downward header, just down, uh, just inside uh, Mitch Walker's post. Walker obviously came back to his uh, to his old club, um, and then a big, big moment in the game. Thirty-five minutes in, uh, the biggest non-decision from a referee I've ever seen in my life. James Rose set uh, Lewis Walker away in possibly his last game on loan from Queens Park Rangers. Uh, Walker. And the goalkeeper came out to the edge of the area. Walker headed the ball past him. The goalkeeper clattered into him. And surely there were only two decisions, yellow or red, penalty or free kick. Incredibly, the uh, referee gave nothing. So that was really rankling with Danny Searle after the game. Um, but Dover, as it was, got a second in what was a pretty scrappy match. And Cody Lyons-Foster can have no complaints at his uh, second yellow card yesterday. So bad day at the office for all the shots. Stockport, since their takeover, haven't haven't won and I don't think they've scored and that run continued up at Hartlepool. They're another team in and around the playoff Stockport, but a good win for Dave Chal and his men. It was a good win, yeah. Not a great day for Stockport. Um, if they bought in goalkeepers and defenders, you'd applaud those clean sheets, but uh, it's the other end they're trying to strengthen and uh, they're not quite firing as yet. But Hartlepool, you've got to keep a little eye on them. With uh, one or two sides at the, at the top stuttering in the last couple of weeks, they've made pretty good progress. Uh, the victory over Stockport County lifted pools to within three points of the playoffs, uh, and they managed it thanks to goals from Aidan Keener and Mark Shelton, two players recently signed by Challoner. That was pleasing, said Challoner. I'm ever the, pre- ever the pessimist, me. I think the players need to celebrate a really good performance. It doesn't get ma- much better than what they've done, and even grumpy old me can smile. <laughs> Another team who were in and around the playoff pitch and just slipped in the last couple of weeks. And Notts County, they suffered a 2-0 defeat at Dagenham and Redbridge. You're going revenge 
for that trophy defeat in the last minute of Fortnite ago. And ironically enough, the guy who scored, the hero, Michael Doyle, who scored the absolute screamer, was sent off. And not a good day for Notts County. No, it wasn't for them. And, and for me, overall, weighing everything up, the result of the day yesterday for Dagenham and Redbridge, Daryl McMahon really starting to make an impact now. And uh, he's brought in Alex Reid. And I've lost track of how many clubs in the National League Alex Reid has now played for. But two goals on his debut, the star of the show, uh, and a fantastic result for Dagenham. That really will have um, lifted the spirits of those around the club. And Tim Howard will be uh, quietly starting to think he's made the right appointment in, uh, in Daryl McMahon. Uh, a fantastic result for Dagenham. have been literally tumbling down the league um, in uh, recent months. A really, really good result for them. As for Notts County, well, they slip up now and again, don't they? But I think they're an absolute shoo-in. So it's just whether or not they can um, you know, get themselves involved in the title race again, boys. Um, we kind of review this week in, week out. And uh, everybody I talk to says, oh, they kind of thought Solihull might be up there. But they're not. They're on a run where they're not quite far. And another nil-nil for them yesterday. Uh, and Adam Virgo, who I'm quoting from again here, and who incidentally is going to be on the NL Full-Time Podcast, Hope, uh, very soon, hopefully next weekend. It's um, his birthday he, this weekend as well, so happy birthday, Adam. Yeah, happy birthday, Adam Burgo. And, uh, yeah, he's narrowed it down in his uh, column in the NLP to a three-horse race between Barrow and uh, Yeovil and uh, Harrogate Town. And he, he pretty much put the curse on it, really, because none of the three of them won yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> the curse of Adam Virgo. It's a bit like the curse of the, the NL full-time podcast as well, it, so it's kind of ironic he's on the podcast in the next couple of weeks, really. Yeah, but we look forward to having Adam on, and uh, he's obviously a wealth of knowledge at this level of football. He commentates on it week in, week out. The other two games, we, we've left until last. It was Torquay against Ebsfleet and Sutton against Solihull Moors. Both nil-nils. None of those four sides will have come out with that feeling. I don't know. They'll be a bit meh, really. <laughs> Ebsfleet, Ebsfleet have kept a clean sheet. They'll be pleased with that. A good point away from home, but it doesn't do them... Any good because the 10 points from safety Tarky say mid-table, as does Sutton, and Solihull don't really get into the playoffs with that. So, <laughs> it's, it was a funny old day in those two games, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it just typified the day, really, as I say, 11 sides keeping clean sheets. And uh, you never underestimate a point in the National League, home or away. But um, I guess the only comment that springs to mind for me out of those four sides and those four results is just interesting that Ebsfleet... Um, but it, Almost going under the radar this one, but um, they've had a seven-day transfer embargo from the National League. They did have a player signed on and registered ready to play yesterday in that game, but um, the National League applied a seven-day embargo because of some unpaid bills. And uh, whilst there's not been as much talk about it in the media this year, that's still a concern for Ebsfleet as a football club, particularly with them languishing down the wrong end of the National League this season. Kevin Watson's throwing himself in the lion's den with that one a little bit, and we, we wish him well. In the National League South, we said Bath are quite tight defensively, but on Saturday, it's fair to say they sprung a leak as, Leald, as leaders Wheelstone were in seventh heaven. Tom, they won 7-0, and that's a real statement, isn't it? Yeah, it's a massive statement. Um, and the fact that they did it without their top scorer, uh, Ross Lafayette, even having to start the match as well, uh, it says a lot about the firepower that Dean Brennan's got within his squad. That's three wins on the bounce for them now. They're 10 points clear at the top, although haven't do have two matches in hand. It's, it's weird. Like Dean Brennan was always likely to put a good side together at Wilson, but I don't really think 
I, I don't think many of us were really looking at them as title favourites. I think with Bobby Wilkinson gone, it was looking, you're expecting maybe a season of consolidation, but they are absolutely taking the division by storm at the moment. Yeah, we had a tweet in from Leo Waring, uh, Leo Waring on Twitter, and he said, uh, I don't think we're going under the radar anymore, because apparently it, there was them and Hampton, I think, who we just didn't mention in our pre-season predictions, and, and that kind of backs up what you said, Tom. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I didn't, I didn't expect them to be in the top top few. I, I thought Havent were the strongest side in the league. I thought Maidstone would be up there. Um, you know, I certainly didn't predict Slough to be right at the top. I did think Bath would be there or thereabouts. Um, but yesterday's result was an absolute statement. Um, Bath are not one of the sides propping up the division. They were uh, eight games without defeat, six wins and two draws. To concede seven is the same amount of goals as they've conceded in their last 10 games put together. They came into the match with um, comfortably the best goal rec- uh, defence in the division. They'd conceded 0.9 goals per game. Um, and now they go out of the match with only the third best defence in the division. Both uh, Weymouth and Slough have now conceded fewer. Yeah, and I think that win at Haven't, we spoke about it last week, it was a brilliant win at Haven't and Waterlooville, and it was a real, real blow to them and it's, it, it seemed to give them that extra belief now to go on again and, it, and that, I think that's where that result against Bath came about Yeah exactly like, look at that they've, they've played three games in a row uh, picked up nine points a good a good victory at Welling to stop the rot after losses to Billericay and Oxford so to go to to play Havant and Bath probably the two other strongest sides in the division and score 11 and concede only two in return Wilson are really motivating at the moment Yeah Bath remain joint second along with Slough, Haven and Bath, but they are 10 points behind. And it's so tight for that, so those playoff places, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, it's a great division this season. Um, I said at the beginning of the year that I thought this was going to be the tightest uh, that we've seen in the National League for a little while, um, and also that it was the strongest that we've seen in the National League South for a little while. It really is being borne out. I mean, if you take Wilson out of the picture, um, it's only uh, six points that separate uh, the playoff positions. Um, but all the way through the table, like a couple of wins can really move you up by five or six spots in the division. Yeah, Weymouth got a last-minute winner over Dorking. You had two men sent off on Saturday. Abdul Bell Baggy bagging the winner, it's fair to say, on Saturday. And it keeps Weymouth up there. And are they the surprise package for you along with Dorking? Basically, the two, the two newly promoted sides are up there doing really well. Uh, do you know what? I think, I think they probably are. I think... If I'm, look, if I'm being objective, then we've got to say Wayne, uh, Wilston are the surprise package in the division, um, considering what we've just been saying, that no one predicted them to be a title title contender and they're 10 points clear. Weymouth and Dorking, along with Tunbridge, have all really exceeded expectations. It, from, from what I'm reading, Abdullah Baggy had another really good game. Um, he's had a great uh, return to step two. He scored and assisted Brett Williams, and then Elliot Buchanan got uh, the consolation for Dorking. Um, Dorking will be slightly worried. They're without a win so far this calendar year. But uh, both still in the playoffs, fifth and sixth, is, um, you know, we, we've talked about it at great length on this podcast, but just a, an exceptional season from both clubs on their return to step two. The last playoff place is occupied by Dartford, and Steve King is working his magic down there at Princess Park. And it was a goal from Darren McQueen. He scored once again to give them a 1 0 win over Dulwich. Yeah, Darren McQueen and Dartford have had quite a January, haven't they? That's his fifth goal of the month. Um, Dartford has now only got two losses in their last ten. Um, and I think we spoke about them a couple of weeks ago. They are really 
really hitting form under Steve King now. They're up to seventh. They're top of the form tables for the last 10 matches. Um, and if they can keep this up, then they're a playoff certainty, really. On the other side, Dulwich, they're still safe at the moment. They had that absolutely horrendous run where they didn't win a single match from August until uh, the end of December. Um, but they've they've had a good good January, uh, good end of December, good start to January. Uh, two wins, two draws, and now two losses. But you're not going to look at defeats to Haven and Dartford and really criticise Dulwich Hamlet for them. No, definitely not. Just outside the playoff places of Maidstone, they have got two games in hand on Dartford. They beat Oxford City 1-0 on Saturday. And John Still said that he didn't really feel that threatened by Oxford City, apart from the opening five minutes. And then they, they managed to get the goal in the end. And it's one of those Maidstone. They seem to win one and then they slip up in the next game. And the next game for them is a Kent Derby against Tunbridge. Yeah, and Tunbridge, you know, as I've said, they are... They're, they're a bit of a surprise package themselves this season. Um, they're actually uh, joint on points with Maidstone across the last 10 games. They've both got 16 points from their last 10. Um, so that could be a real, uh, a really interesting, I think could, could be quite a tight game um, down in Tunbridge. It was it was important personally for Justin Amalazor to get the goal yesterday. Um, he came in for some criticism in the week from the Maidstone town, uh, sorry, the Maidstone United coaching staff for turning up late to training. Um, so to go in, get that 59th minute winner as part of what was an all-round good performance from the former Bognor Regis man um, will be well received um, by by the Maidstone fans. Yeah, they said it had been dealt with in-house and, and they, they wanted a response from him. And like you say, they, they got that. Another team who you've, I know you've criticised in the past for fighting to deceive a Hemel and they lost again at home to improving Welling, Brad, Bradley Quinton's Welling. He's doing a good job there at the minute. He is, yeah. Um, uh, you know, we talk about the Steve King effect. Well, we're seeing the, the Bradley Quinton effect um, down at Welling. Um, he's shown that he is an effective manager at this level. You know, he took a really unfancied Braintree team up to um, up to the National League. Uh, and I think, you know, with a couple of seasons hindsight on that, we really should give that the credit for the achievement that it was. Um, they're really quite resurgent since he's come in. They've got two wins on the bounce. That's the first time they've achieved that this season. They're now a full three points above the relegation, so they've got a little bit of comfort. And also it was two Bradley Quinton signings with the goals. Um, he brought in, he wasn't happy with what they had up front. You know, we've seen Moses Emanuel's gone out on loan to um, uh, Wields, or gone out to Wieldston. seen Adam Coombs has gone out. Um, he's brought in Dippo Akinyemi from Chesson. He's brought in Corey Henry from Bromley and they got the goals yesterday. Uh, However, as you say, you know, Helm will definitely flattering to deceive. That's one win in their last 10. Um, they've let a lot of players go in the last month and a half, particularly across uh, the forward lines. They brought in James Dobson from Dagenham and Redbridge, but um, wasn't enough to, to help them get the three points yesterday. Yeah, I know Sammy Moore said a couple of weeks ago they needed to do that. So he'll, he'll be hoping that it, it bears fruit because, like you say, they're not out the, the playoff picture just yet, but a couple more results like that and... They will be. Yeah, you're right. They're not out of the playoff pictures, but you've got to look at the form of the teams around them as well. Um, we've talked about Dartford. We've talked about Maidstone. You know, that top seven, that top eight, are looking really strong. Um, and then you've got Hampton and Richmond just outside the playoffs as well. They're having a really good uh, good January. Uh, they've had a really good winter so far. So at the moment, if anything, you're saying Hamill are probably more likely to drop further away. Down at the bottom, it's really tight. As we mentioned, Welling, a lot on a good run of form. They're only three points clear 
of the team in 21st place. That is Chippenham, who got another draw, unsurprisingly, on Saturday. Although it was a decent draw against Havenant Waterlooville at home. And they keep the pressure on St Albans, who are just above them. St Albans lost 2-1 at Hampton and Richmond Borough after going a goal ahead through Zane Banton. But Ian Allenson criticised the concentration of his players. And it's another trickery result for St Albans. And again, they're another team who've got a decent squad who shouldn't be down there. Um, yeah, so that uh, result for Hampton and Richmond, it was an important win. Um, I think Ian Allenson's got to be really concerned with things at St Albans at the moment. Um they're a team that you would expect more typically to be up around a playoff position, certainly in the top half. Um, they've got a goal scorer in the squad. Joe Iacofania's got 12 goals. He's right up in the in the mix at the top of the scorers. Um, but he's not really being supported by anyone. Um, you know, their, their next highest scorer, you've got to go right the way down to Zane Banton, who got, got the goal yesterday. He's only got four for the season. So you can see where the problems are at St Albans. Um, it's... A really important win for Hampton and Richmond. They're in, in really good form at the moment. They're now only seven points from the playoff positions, whilst, uh, as you say, St Albans are only a point above Chippenham, who do have a game in hand as well. Yeah, and as I say, Tombridge, if they win on Tuesday against Maidstone, they can give themselves a huge boost. They can actually go above Billericay in 15th. They can climb up four places with that. And another team who got a vital win and are still hanging on in there, even though the five points down a uh, Hungerford who, who probably got the surprise result of the day they beat Inform Chelmsford on Saturday and it just gives them that little bit of hope albeit the six points adrift of St Albans Yeah it was one of those weird matches really wasn't it you had um, Chelmsford coming in five games unbeaten you had Hungerford who hadn't won in the last seven I think if you're a betting man you, you'd probably steer well clear of that one for Hungerford but um Joe Tomlinson got the winner. It's a really good result for, for Ian Herring and uh, for Hungerford Town. I think, you know, we've talked about it before, and I've certainly come in for some criticism for, for predicting Hungerford for, for the drop. I do think this is Ian Herring's toughest assignment yet. You know, he's worked absolute miracles at Hungerford, keeping him up last season, for example. But I've got to be honest, and I do think that this is going to be a bridge too far for them. Um, Tunbridge, on the other hand, pretty much every observer would have tipped them to go down. They are... They were, they were the winner of the Super Playoff last season. They were really unfancied at the Step 2 level. Um, yet they've really adjusted well. They're in 19th. You know, they're definitely still in the mix in the relegation zone. But they are showing a lot more fight than I think many people expected them to. Yeah, I think we've got to get some Mission Impossible music out for Ian Herring, haven't we? And then if he does do it, he played a great escape on the last day of the season. But yeah, as you say, tough Simon. Joe Tomlinson, who you mentioned there, he's just made him... Club captain recently, and he's, he's repaid him there. So he'll, he'll feel there's a bit of belief there, but it's, it's so tight. A couple of results either way for any of those sides, and it's a different game again, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it, you know, I'm glad you've mentioned about Joe Thomason being made the club captain there because um, it highlighted, you know, I think Ian Herring was a bit unhappy with the way things moved there. He made uh, Taufik Olamawewe captain um, in the summer. He put a lot of trust in him and then, you know, sort of blindsided in January by a request to uh, terminate the contract from Olamawewe uh, because he wanted to go on trial at a step one club. And he was on his um, way away, was he? Yeah. Oh, dear God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he's gone, obviously. And now, um, yeah, I think maybe you talk, we talked at times about a siege mentality in a club. You know, that's a little bit of controversy and they've bounced back well. So, 
Uh, fair play to Hungerford. Obviously, Slough got their one 0 win away at Braintree yesterday as well. One of the weird little quirks that you know Slough are are doing you know brilliantly in the division. They're right up in third. I think that's that's well above expectations for them. But um, they just grind out results. Um, it was an, a one goal win for them yesterday. They haven't actually won by more than one goal since November the sixteenth when they beat Chippenham three nil. Um, so it really shows you what Slough do well. It shows you that they are a resilient side. Um, and it, it's really interesting. It's one of the subplots of the season for me to see how long they can continue this. And it also shows if you go a goal behind to him, you, you've got to worry, I think, haven't you? Absolutely. I, mean, I remember I spoke to um, uh, John Underwood about two seasons ago after they'd uh, ground out a nil-nil against Torquay United. And he said one thing they were confident about was that they would never play on a pitch where a team would work hard on them. Um, and that really is borne out. You know, they finished fantastically last season. They're right up in third this year. Um, and they just, it, exactly as you say, once you concede to them, it's very difficult to get anything out of that match. The only other game in the division we haven't covered was Eastbourne 2, Concord 2, uh, an up and down game. Concord ahead twice. The Sheriff thought he'd roll into town and won it, but uh, it, they ended up conceding an equaliser too. Good luck, Tom. How do you say this name? <laughs> Well, I mean, it was a debut, so I think we can both uh, both feel justified in not knowing exactly how to pronounce it just yet. But um, I'm going to go with Aid Gabolahan. Um, but answers on a postcard as to how correct that is. It looked like a bit of a decent match down there. You know, one is Concord, one all, two ones Concord, two all. Um, it's interesting that the Carrie Sharif's popped up again now with uh, Love Island being back on. There's a, there's a lot of them cutting around. I think half the half the non-league systems disappeared into Love Island this season. We're going to look next at the National League North. When your kids are ill, you just want to help them feel better. But you don't always need antibiotics. Get advice from your local pharmacy or search NHS Choices. And in the National League North, Dickie, it was a long, old trip for Kings Lynn, wasn't it? Probably the longest trip in the league. They went all the way up to Blyde Spartans, but they came away. They won 3-0, and uh, guess who scored again? It was Adam Marriott. Yeah, two goals for Adam Marriott yesterday. He's uh, responded to um, Kingsland having added competition in their forward line. They signed Dale Southwell from Halifax in midweek. But yeah, two goals for Marriott yesterday, both in the first half, put them really comfortably uh, in control of this game. And then Rory McCauley, defender, added a third in the second half. Blythe um, at something of a loss as well, having lost Callum Roberts in midweek to Notts County. He's been a shining light for them and, and they're going to have to do the rest of the season without him now. Um, nine wins in the last ten for Kings Lane, undefeated in 13. Their last defeat on the 28th of September, a 3-0 reverse away at York City, who were the team who were chasing them in second place. Yeah, they kept up the pressure, didn't they, with a 1-0 win over Kettering. And not a bad win for you all that, because Kettering have been in form, haven't they? Kettering have been very, very good form. Yeah, that was only a second defeat for them since uh, Paul Cox was appointed as manager. Um, I think apart from going out of the... Uh, the FA Trophy, it's been, uh, say, ju- just a couple of league defeats. Sounded like a really tight game. Steve Watson said there was a lot of physicality and uh, reasonably expect that, I think, and, and less quality than he'd hoped for from his side. But they did get the job done in the end. Jordan Burroughs, 13th goal of the season, coming just after the hour. And that was enough to keep York on the tails of Kingsley. And Kingsley still have those two games in hand. So, you know, we'll be, we'll be watching those midweek fixtures when they happen. Um, and Kettering, as uh, for them, yeah, they're in 17th place now and, and starting to look um, as if they're 
comfortable, I would say, ahead of the, the teams at the bottom. But I don't think anybody can be entirely comfortable down there at the moment. Yeah, well, not fully clear the relegation zone. You'd expect them with the way they're going at the minute to kind of comfortably, as you say, pull clear, even though you're saying they're not comfortable at the minute. Yeah, I think it's the momentum they've got now. If You know, they may only have the same number of points, well, very close to the same number of points as those around them, obviously. But if it's the direction of travel, Kettering having been, I think they were rock bottom at one stage, it, it, you know, to have climbed to 17th, they've got that upward momentum when other teams perhaps haven't got that at the moment. And that we know how important that is. It's, it's been a lot of um, moves in and out player-wise and, and managerial-wise in, in the National League North this week. So, um, you know, teams are obviously starting to look over the shoulder and realise they need to do something now if they're going to get away from trouble. Yeah, I know Bly tried to bring back Dan Maguire on loan from York City, but York weren't having any of that, and he played an hour yesterday in that game at Booth and Crescent. Brackley were in third, but they lost 1-0 at Boston on Tuesday, and then it was a 0-0 draw at home to Geisley. Brackley haven't lost at home since December 2018, but Chester took advantage of that draw for Brackley by having a very good win over Darlington. Yeah, they did. It's not the week Brackley would have been looking for. I think uh, from the accounts that I read, they they were well worth at least a point on Tuesday, um, but lost out to an 86-minute Dominic Knowles goal. They'd have been looking to bounce back yesterday against Geisley on their own ground, where they are so strong, but, but only a nil-nil draw. Um, and that has allowed Chester to sneak past them back into third place. Brad Jackson put Chester ahead after 12 minutes. And, and Darlington, they're in the playoff positions too. We mustn't forget they had a really good 2-1 away win at Geisley on Tuesday to, to keep themselves there. They were still in the game yesterday up until the 57th minute where the Quasi Asante scored and then just two minutes later Danny Livesey added a third and that was um, game over and good night for Darlington yesterday. And so, but, you know, they are in the playoff position to mention that 2-1 when they had in midweek when Will Hatfield was on target against his former team. Um, and another storyline coming out of Chester as well is that they've, they've added some strength this week with signing uh, John Johnston from Altrincham, the, the winger who worked previously with their management duo, Anthony Johnston and Bernard Morley, when he was at Salford City. Oh, didn't please Altrincham fans particularly, because obviously he's been a shining light for them, but uh, Chester triggered a release clause in his contract. He signed an 18-month deal with an option of another year, and there is some compensation for Altrincham because Craig Marn, who's been a fantastic servant for Chester, he's moved in the opposite direction. So it, it, it's one in, one out, but I know Chester's feeling very very much is that they've they've added a quality player and they've taken him off a rival at the same time. It's a real coup, isn't it? I think he's got the most assists and, and obviously got a few goals as well this year, but I think he's up there with the top assist maker in the league. Yeah, yeah, he's a very fine player, John Johnston. I think, um, you know, Altrincham did exceptionally well to, to get him when he was deemed surplus to requirements at Salford City, but Anthony Johnson and Bernard Morley obviously know what he's about. They're, they're long-time admirers of his, and, and they've come back in for him, and they've got their man. Yeah, a bit of rivalry on Twitter, as you say, Dickie. Do I think they were quite smug about it, weren't they? <laughs> Jester, uh, yeah, they? I mean... It didn't, uh, it, didn't, it didn't please Altrincham, did it? No, it didn't. And, you know, they, I think we've probably said this before in that, you know, um, the, the Chester management duo, there are, there are two faces to them. I, I speak to Anthony Johnson or I have done spoken to Anthony Johnson and, and absolutely lovely guy to chat to. And then I, I think that that competitive element of his 
does surface so regularly. And yeah, he couldn't help putting out a little teaser there about having signed uh, John Johnston in midweek, which didn't go down particularly well with the Altrincham fans. Um, they do still have to play one another again this season. Johnston will make a return to Moss Lane, I think, on something like the 21st of March. So a bit of added spice for that fixture as well. Absolutely. Boston, as we mentioned earlier, they, they beat Brackley 1-0 in midweek. Dominic Knowles scored there, and he followed it up again on Saturday with two more goals. So it's been a good week for Dominic Knowles and a good week for Craig Elliott and Boston. And, and they're a little threat. You know, they've got a couple of games in hand and teams will be looking over their shoulders. Yeah, they are They are more than keeping in touch with uh, the, the teams at the top. And then, you know, I, I need to have a look through the league table to see when those teams in the, the, the playoff positions are likely to meet one another. Because it, it, it we, as we know, it, it's all important with... Six teams going into the playoffs and with that home advantage being so crucial, um, finishing as high as you can gives you such a, a distinct advantage when it comes to the playoffs. And, and Boston will be fancying that as well. It would be a, a tremendous way to, for them to say goodbye to their York Street home as well, because they are uh, leaving the ground at the end of the season or, or, or that's that's. Certainly, if everything goes to schedule. Uh, two more goals for Dominic Knowles yesterday. Dominic, Dominic if we want to call him that. Um, Harriers, uh, Kidderminster Harriers, who they beat on the other hand. Um, they dropped <clears throat> 19th, a fourth loss in five games. Uh, and they're going to have to do without the services of Richard Pennicott this week as well. He's stepped away from football by mutual agreement with the Harriers manager um, management. I think he's got some long-standing injury problems, which he, he feels he needs to sort of take a, a break from football. So they're going to have to do it without him. Yeah, we mentioned about, obviously, Chesterfield filed Wrexham in the division above and Kidderminster, full-time team, quite a big team in the National League North. But could they go down, Dickie? I think it's unlikely, but um, it's not pleasing Kidderminster fans at all for them to be where they are. I mean, I think they've tried to add a little of what, some fans feel they needed. They brought back Keith Lowe. Not not just that he's a fan's favourite, but he gives them that little bit of um, steel and that little bit of um, experience that perhaps they feel they lack. Um, but it, it's really difficult to put your finger on on what's not right at Kidderminster at the moment. As you say, they are still a full time setup. You just expect them to be better than they are, and, and for whatever reason, it isn't clicking. Um, I know Jimmy Shands made a very positive impression with the fans since coming in as manager, but the results haven't shown um, any particular turnaround since he's come in. So um, I think they'll be okay, but yeah, it's not comfortable for them. Sweaty palms time for them. Spending more, they beat Leamington. They are still in the playoff mix. They're in the last playoff position and, just going along nicely, spending more now, aren't they? Yeah, they are. They've had a little bit of a, a, a sticky patch. Um, we, we did speak to, or I spoke to Jason Ainsley last week after their game at Kidderminster. Um, and I think they lost three of the previous four up to that game. Only a draw last week, so they really, really in need of a victory. And they got one. Uh, a 2-0 win over Lamington. Ben McKenna with the opening goal. He then added the, created the second goal for Glenn Taylor, and that just nudges them back over the line into those playoff positions. Uh, Leamington staying in mid-table in 14th as a result of that one. Yeah, big goal down at the bottom yesterday. Curzon Ashton were seconds away from victory at Hereford. It looked like Mo Ali had delivered the knockout blow. However, Hereford got an equaliser in injury time, in the fourth minute of injury time. Ten men, Hereford, and it was Tom Owen Evans with a penalty. 
Yeah, it was. And of course, the backdrop to this game is um, Hereford having um, dispensed the services of Russell Slade, their manager at the beginning of the week. Uh, they've put Josh Gowling, very experienced player, in charge. He's brought in Steve Burr, um, who I think he was, he was his manager at Kidderminster Harriers, to, to assist him. For all they'd made those changes, it looked as if they were going to uh, lose out yesterday. As you say, Mo Ali, who is a, a, an international player for Somalia, I believe is also a, a taxi driver when he's not playing football. So he's, he, he wears a number of different, very varied hats, does Mo. Um, he put Kurz Nashton ahead. But then Tom Owen Evans, a player who'd been sent out on loan to Chippenham Town, by Russell Slade, recalled by Josh Cowling, and it was him that put away the penalty spot equaliser, the fourth minute of injury time to get them a point. Hereford down to ten men at that point as well. They played quite a lot of the game without um, the services of Ben Pollock, son of former Middlesbrough and Manchester City player uh, Jamie. He took a, a straight red card in the first half. There are some positives there for Hereford. They've obviously shown a lot of fight and a lot of spirit, and I think it's that that Josh Cowling was pleased with after the game, even though clearly a point is um, not as much as he would have hoped for. Yeah, they showed some pollocks in the end, Hereford, didn't they, to get that point? <laughs> <laughs> they did indeed, yes, large ones. <laughs> the other two games in the National League North, vital win for Southport down at Gloucester, who were really struggling at the minute, despite some of the signings they've brought in. And, and Farsley against Telford, uh, 1-1. Telford led for a, a long time in that game. And I read it on Twitter, and Farsley's Twitter went, Went mad at the end because Danny Ellis scored a wonder goal to rescue him a point by all accounts. Uh, yes, I'm not surprised by that at all. I'm going to make a confession here. I did not see Danny Ellis's goal. I got my head down. Um, I, I typed the, the Twitter feed for Telford's live commentary and I was commenting on a, a mischance in the opposite end for Ryan Barnett, which would have tied the game up at 2-0. And, and as some people would have you believe, you know, they, they almost felt it was written in the stars that having missed that chance, Farsley would go to the other end and score. Um, I don't think anybody saw the route that it was going to arrive. Danny Ellis absolutely thrashing a volley in from fully 30 yards, maybe even further. I've seen people speaking about 40 yards. I'm not sure about that. We'll, we'll have to see it on the video when it comes out. Yeah, so a bit of a heartbreak for Telford there yesterday. They led really, really early on, 1-0 up in the first minute through Matt Stenson. Um, and they defended deep, they defended well, but they just couldn't hold on to uh, the three points. You mentioned Southport. That was a much-needed win for them. They'd lost five on the bounce before that trip to Gloucester yesterday. But um, Gloucester, that was their sixth defeat in seven. A goal from Devon Green um, keeps Southport in mid-table. Gloucester down to 20th, and they've had an influx of new signings recently. Bernard Mensa, Lewis Brunt, Taylor Allen, Matt McClure. It made no difference to their um, uh, hopes yesterday. Well, they may have had the hopes, but it made no difference to the reality of the situation. They lost 1-0. And there is one game we've missed as well. At Altrincham 2, Bradford Park Avenue 0. Altrincham obviously having to do without the services of John Johnson having moved to Chester. But Jordan Hume, goal scorer, turning creator yesterday. The first goal for Josh Hancock after just 38 seconds. Probably just slightly faster than Matt Stenson's goal at Telford as the fastest goal of the day. And then James Jones added a second before half-time. That keeps Altrincham just on the fringe of the playoff race and keeps Avenue in Dead last. Just on Gloucester, Rob. James Rowe's getting a band back together there, isn't he, a bit? He is, Luke. Uh, yeah, I think there's two or three players that were with him at Aldershot now. There. Got a bit of work to do, though, hasn't he? And uh, he'll be wanting to look upwards and see how many teams they can reel in. But he's just got to keep one eye over his shoulder, too. Just one one position off safety now. Um, 
Bernard Mentz is a quality player and I am quite staggered with respect to Gloucester that he's had to drop another level uh, to get game time. Sign off for, for Maidenhead up at Halifax with the last goal in that uh, seven goal game. A uh, bit of a consolation but uh, is a bit of a parting shot showed what he could do and Gloucester have got themselves a really, really good player there. Might take him two or three games to, to get himself up to full fitness and form. But, uh, yeah, James Rowe's got a, a, a bit of a job on there, uh, but I'm sure he's more than capable. And, and finally as well, just a bit of a bit of amusement, Darlington's Luke Trotman went into the Love Island Villa this week. Of course, we've seen him play for England C in the past. And interestingly, him and Finn Tapper now in the same Villa. And I saw I saw a tweet which said, I can see now Luke Trotman's going to go into the Villa, Nick Fintap's woman, and uh, then Oxford City and Darlington will play each other in the FA Cup next season. <laughs> yeah, that would be a bit. That would be a little bit spicy, wouldn't it? Um, I met Luke, of course, on the uh, England Sea trip to Estonia last year. I had a couple of chats with him. Seemed like a really nice guy at the time. Um, I don't think he did himself any favours on his entrance to the Love Island Villa this 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 uh, this week. But hey, that this podcast is to talk about football. Not Love Island, but uh, yeah, good luck to Luke and uh, Finn in, uh, in 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 that. And uh, I'm sure they'd rather be playing football, but hey, it's a dirty job, but someone's got to do it. <laughs> dirty being the operative word in that villa. Blimey. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really interesting as well that um, Luke Trotman's got full physio support apparently being given to him so he can continue his, uh, his rehabilitation from his injury while he's in there. So he's clearly consulted with the club, Darlington. Um, we're quite happy about it, which I'm, I'm not sure that was entirely the case with Finn Tapp. Am I right there? Uh, well, Oxford City were, I think they said they wished him well, but I'd say he was under contract there and they were kind of a bit, oh, we didn't know he was going in. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is weird, isn't it? I think what last, last time around we had Denon Lewis from Wealdstone go in. We had um, Marvin Brooks from Pool Town. Um, yeah, it's just the, clearly there's something about non-league footballers that uh, the Love Island producers absolutely love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Luke and Luke Trotman's injury. Well, clearly it's not a groin strain, is it, guys? <laughs> well, he might recover from one and return with the other. Who knows? <laughs> on, that note, <laughs> on that note, we're going to uh, we're going to head off. Uh, I think that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've got me coat. <laughs> yeah. Cheers, guys. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Dickie. Take Cheers, care, Luke. Go. Take care, Rob. Speak to you again soon. Yes. Take care, guys. Thanks for joining us, Tom. No worries. Thanks for having me, as always. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and it's NL Full Time and email us nlfulltime at gmail.com. I'll be at Halifax Dover on Tuesday and I'll report back to you next week.